Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to the History Unplugged podcast, the unscripted show that celebrates unsung heroes, myth busts historical lies, and rediscovers the forgotten stories that changed our world. I'm your host, Scott Rank. Hi, everyone. Today is one of those in-between episodes where I answer any question that you have. Today's question comes from listener Matthew Sparloft. Matthew asks, what are some inventions that are much older than we think? Well, thanks for the question, Matthew. Let's look at three inventions that are much older than we would expect. The first one is the computer. The computer was believed to have been invented sometime around World War II, maybe by Alan Turing, who was responsible for cracking Germany's Enigma code. And then this simple computer evolved into the huge mainframes of the 1960s, and it was powered by vacuuming tubes and used about five megawatts of power. But the computer as we know it today was actually invented as late as 1833 by Charles Babbage, but if you can believe it, as early as 80 BC by the Greeks. There are basically two different technologies that go into a modern computer, and they are separate. One is automated calculation, and the other is programmability. There are some precursors to modern computers, like a Sumerian abacus that was made around 2500 BC, or if you want, the slide rule that was made in the 1620s and used as late as the Apollo mission by NASA. But the ancient Greek computer in question is known as the Antikythera mechanism. It was an ancient astronomical analog computer that was hand-cranked. It had small precision gears that could calculate astronomical positions. It included a cycle of the sun, moon, and planets, and could even predict celestial events such as eclipses, both lunar and solar. This mechanism was discovered uh, about a decade ago and found to actually work. But the person I mentioned earlier who created a device that could be programmed and not just carry out calculations was Charles Babbage, and he brought together all of these concepts in 1822. He proposed building a mechanical calculator that could do polynomial functions, and the British government believed him and decided to fund him. Well, after 10 years of work, he still hadn't produced his programmable calculator, but he came up with a better invention, a machine that was programmable and could do far more various functions than polynomial math. He called it the analytical machine, and the machine read data from punch cards and stored about 50,000 decimals. This is equivalent to about 20 kilobytes, which is what your computer reads in the space of a few micro or nanoseconds. He only finished a partial model before he died in 1878, 
But his contribution to the Stone Age of computer programming was realized decades later on in World War II and what makes him what many consider to be the father of computing today. The second invention that is older than we realize is the automobile. We think of rickety horseless carriages coming around in the late 19th and early 20th centuries and putting buggy whip manufacturers out of business. But the original automobile was actually developed by a French inventor named Nicolas Joseph Cunot, built way back in 1769, before the French Revolution or the American Revolution. This car of his had an enormous steam boiler hanging in the back that moved the car's pistons and converted that energy into motion. You see, you don't need an internal combustion engine and petroleum to fuel a car. All you need is a mechanism to turn the car's axles and make the wheels move. And a steam engine can do that just fine. The only problem is that a steam engine is not very portable unless you happen to have someone aboard your car that doesn't mind shoveling coal into a furnace like they had on trains in the 19th century. And most portable vehicles couldn't afford to have a dedicated coal shoveler. And even though this car had a steam boiler, it wasn't very effective. It only moved about two and a half miles per hour and it could carry four tons, but the car itself weighed two and a half tons because of the boiler. So there were some practicality issues there. His car had two wheels at the rear and one at the front where the horses normally would have been. And the boiler's performance was also quite spotty, even by the standards of the day, because the fire had to be relit and the scene raised again every quarter of an hour. Well, unfortunately, funding for this project was soon abandoned by the French government due to the French Revolution. So unfortunately for our friend Nicholas, he's really only a footnote in the history of the automobile. Now let's talk about the third invention that was created way before most people would assume, and that is the battery. It's believed that the battery was invented in the 1800s by the Italian inventor Alessandro Volta, of course the namesake for the Volt, and a quite cool sounding last name. Volta made his primitive battery by soaking cardboard and salt water and producing what was thought to be the world's first battery that could hold a charge. Well, there's a forerunner to our friend Volta's battery, and that was something that was invented in a time between 200 and 600 AD in the Persian Sasanian period. In 1938, German archaeologist Wilhelm Koenig discovered a number of terracotta pots that contained a copper cylinder made up of rolled copper sheet, which housed a single iron rod. Wine, grape juice, or vinegar could be used as an acidic electrolyte to generate an electric current, which these primitive batteries did. These became known as the Baghdad batteries. Now, there's an argument among historians as to whether these actually were batteries, partly because there were no electronics around that needed to be powered by electricity. So the question is, what on earth were batteries doing at this time period in history? One explanation is that they were used to electrically graft silver onto gold, and that's a method that's still practiced in Iraq today. To see if these actually were ancient batteries, the Discovery Channel program Mythbusters made replica, jar, replica jars to see if it was possible for them to have been used for electroplating or electrostimulation. In the 2005 episode of the show, they fitted 10 jars to act as batteries, and they didn't waste good wine or grape juice to use as an electrolyte. Instead, they tried out lemon juice to activate their reaction between copper and the iron. 
They connected these jars in a series, and the batteries were able to produce about 4 volts of electricity. If these were linked into series, that's about enough power to electroplate a small token. If that's what these jars were used for, then we can say we had primitive batteries way back in the late Roman period. So if anything we can see here from these three inventions is that even if a new technology comes around, it's not always adapted immediately. Sometimes the world just isn't ready for it, there's not enough technology to make it practical, and it takes a few centuries or even millennia for society to catch up. Well, thanks for the question. If you would like to submit one to me like this that I'll answer, you can go to historyunpluggedpodcast.com, and I'll be happy to answer whatever you can throw at me. Thanks for listening to the History Unplugged podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show to get your daily dose of all things history-related from ancient Greece to the Cold War. You can do that by going to historyonthenet.com forward slash subscribe. Speaking of History on the Net, if you want to dive deeper, go to our site historyonthenet.com and there you'll find blog posts, book reviews, and all of our other podcast episodes. Plus, don't forget to rate and review this podcast so we can bring you the best daily history content possible. We'll see you next time at the History Unplugged podcast. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.